0: Um, hardware, aisle 12. Shop smart, shop s Mm smart. Give me some sugar, baby. I pray thee to forgive me, my lord. I believe thee one of Henry's men. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. How about it? Who wants? Take our souls! I'm afraid! Just one us! I'm die! That's it. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry to Mama. Me? I'm through running! Ah! Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Yo, she-bitch. Let's go. All right, you primitive screwheads. Listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! It's a 12-gauge double-barreled Remington. S-mart's top of the line. everyone, thanks so much for tuning into the latest episode of the Cabin of Horrors podcast. I am your host, the Incredible Josh, and today we're talking about another one of my favorite horror movie franchises, The Evil Dead. Things over at the Cabin of Horrors have been pretty awesome and definitely really busy. If you haven't heard, we have a Twitch channel now, which has absolutely been so much fun. Uh, It's been a blast playing video games and talking to a whole bunch of other horror nerds about horror related things in the genre while I get to play video games. And we've been streaming the new Evil Dead game, which was really the catalyst for what spawned this week's episode, because that's really all I've been doing. Um, (laughs) I've just been playing video games. I've really just been playing Evil Dead, played some Gears of War 5 as well on stream. And it's been really fun getting to engage with you all, getting to talk with you all. And the big goal goal for our Twitch channel is we're trying to reach affiliate status. What that means is when you get to become a Twitch affiliate, you get to unlock a whole bunch of different engagement tools for your channel. So I get to have a lot more fun with all of you once I hit certain goals. And what we get is something called channel rewards. So you can actually get points by just watching our Twitch channel, just chatting. And even if you subscribe, if you were to donate, that kind of thing, you would get all kinds of points as well for that. But you could get points just for sitting on our channel and watching the stream and, you know, throwing a couple words into the chat and giving us a follow. You can get points that you can use to actually mess up my stream later on. (laughs) So we're going to have tons of different channel reward points once I hit affiliate. We're going to have things like you can mess up my stream or make me not curse for a certain amount of time, you know, things like that, that'll just be kind of funny and quirky and a way that we can all engage with each other and have a little bit more fun on stream. The other thing is emotes, So once you become a Twitch affiliate, you can actually create emotes. So if anyone actually chooses to subscribe to our channel, you'll get emotes that you can use for other channels on Twitch, which is a lot of fun because I'm a graphic designer by trade. I like to create things and I'll get to do emotes and all of you will get to enjoy it and share it out and express yourself in all kinds of terrifying ways. So in order for me to reach Twitch affiliate, there's two specifications I need. I need to have 50 followers on Twitch, which right now I'm at 38 as of this recording, so I only need 12 more. And the other thing is having an average viewership of three people in all of my streams, which I'm very close to. Uh, last time I checked, I'm at about 2.4, so I'm very close to that three average viewer mark. So if you want to show your support, I'm not asking for money. All you need to do is come over to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv cabinofhorrors, tap the follow button and then maybe stick around into our stream for maybe 20, 30 minutes or something, you know, show some love. And at the same point, by doing that, you're making this guy a really happy dude. And I would really super appreciate your support. So if you don't mind heading over twitch.tv slash cabin of horrors, giving us a follow and saying hi, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously love horror. So you'll love our streams because they're all terrifying and have creatures lurking in every corner. This week in horror, we have some birthdays, we have some anniversaries, we definitely have some things happening in the next week in the horror community. Today, specifically, when this podcast episode drops on May 24th, it's Doug Jones's birthday. And if you don't know Doug Jones, he is by far one of the most underrated, I would say, body horror actors of all time. And just monster actor, actually, of all time. He was in Pan's Labyrinth, he was in Hocus Pocus, he was in Mimic... He has done so many iconic roles that you know him if you were to see the character he plays. He's one of those actors that you absolutely know who he is, but you won't know him if you just saw his face because he is able to transform himself into such terrifying creatures that you don't even realize it's Doug Jones until the credits rolls. So Doug Jones, happy birthday today, man. Tomorrow we have another birthday, which is a birthday of one of our favorite horror nerds, Jamie Kennedy. Tomorrow is Jamie Kennedy's birthday, Randy from the first three Scream movies, who of course was one of the most iconic characters and is a fan favorite. And then on the same day as Jamie Kennedy's birthday in 1979, that's when audiences realized that in space, no one can hear you scream. That's right, Alien was released on May 25th in 1979 and terrified audiences everywhere, especially with that end scene of the alien coming out of the body. And then on May 30th, Wrong Turn was released in 2003, which was released to mixed reviews despite there being multiple entries coming out in the franchise. Personally, I liked the first Wrong Turn. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was necessarily a cult classic or you know anything great, but it was an okay horror movie. The sequels that followed were just absolute gore porn, but the first movie wasn't that bad. Alongside Wrong Turn in 2008, The Strangers were released, which is an absolute terrifying cabin movie. It's one one of the scariest cabin horror movies of all time because it doesn't follow the typical tropes of a horror movie, let alone a cabin horror movie. It's just a married couple trying to get away from their chaotic lives at the cabin, And then a group of people come visit them, hold them hostage, torture them, and eventually kill them. It's a terrifying story, and it was actually inspired by the Manson family killings. So if you haven't seen The Strangers, you definitely need to see it. It is a terrifying movie. So let's dive into this episode of the podcast where we're going to be talking about absolutely everything Evil Dead. I wanted to talk about the Evil Dead because not only is it one of my favorite franchises, but it's one that actually people are not very familiar with, I'm learning. As I'm watching other streamers live on Twitch that are playing Evil Dead, I am realizing that despite people being pulled in by the Evil Dead game and playing the game and enjoying the game, they actually may have never seen the Evil Dead movies, which to me is just crazy i'm that just surprises me so i figured i would do a podcast episode on all of the evil dead movies for anyone who hasn't seen them and anyone who wants to know more about them hear about the awesome iconic ash williams and we can all have a good time chatting about one of the best horror franchises in history so if you don't know about evil dead first of all it's a horror film (laughs) but a bunch thanks captain obvious Uh, It was created by Sam Raimi, and it consists of four feature films and a television series as well. We'll dive a little bit into Ash vs. Evil Dead. The franchise revolves around the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which is an ancient Sumerian text that wrecks havoc upon a group of cabin inhabitants in a wooden area in Tennessee. So the protagonist of the story is Ashley Joanna Williams, (laughs) the most girliest name ever, but you can call him Ash. And he's played by, of course, the iconic Bruce Campbell. He's the only character who appears in every single installment of the original trilogy, with the exception of Linda. Linda appears in Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness during the prologue sequences. But other than that, it's just Bruce Campbell's Ash that's in the first three movies. So Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. And not only is Evil Dead an iconic and cult classic franchise, it also influenced numerous directors in developing their movies and expanding their craft. Directors like Peter Jackson and Edward Wright actually took influence from Evil Dead in their movies like like Shaun of the Dead, Cabin in the Woods, Bubba Hotep, Dead Alive, Dead Snow, Ghost House, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Cabin in the Woods specifically, it features so many references to the Evil Dead, right? Has deadites in it, there's possessed trees, and a lot of people actually felt that it may have been a direct sequel to the Evil Dead franchise because of how many references were made in that movie to Evil Dead, but no, it was just an inspiration, right? So without Evil Dead, there's a lot of good movies that we enjoy today that we may not actually have gotten to see, so it's time to pay homage (laughs) to one of the greatest horror franchises in history. And not only did Evil Dead inspire directors, it also inspired a lot of iconic video games that we play still today. Games like Doom, Duke Nukem 3D. Those both were inspired by Evil Dead. If it wasn't for Evil Dead, we wouldn't have had Doom. Gamers, can you imagine a world without Doom? (laughs) Evil Dead was actually cited as inspiration for the original Doom. So I'm telling you, if there was no Evil Dead, we wouldn't have Doom. And that, would be an absolute tragedy in the gaming world. So the first Evil Dead movie was really Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell's love child, really in a sense. The two of them grew up together. They'd been friends from an early age. So you can imagine how filming a movie together was just the perfect recipe for success. They made a whole bunch of several low-budget Super 8 millimeter film projects together before The Evil Dead. But most of them were comedies. One of them had a suspense scene in it. There was nothing that was actually horrific or took things to the extreme like The Evil Dead franchise did. But because of the work that they did in these short films, it inspired them to approach careers in the horror genre. So they started researching horror cinema at drive-in theaters. And it was at that point that Raimi was set on directing a horror film. It was at that point that Raimi was set on directing a horror film. He went out, did a short film, started gaining interest for himself. People knew that he was not someone to mess with when it came to the horror genre. But in order to make a film like The Evil Dead, Sam Raimi really needed to generate funds to produce the film, so he approached Phil Gillis, who was a lawyer to one of his friends. Raimi showed him the short film Within the Woods, the one that he had created, and Gillis wasn't really impressed by the short film, but he offered him legal advice on how to produce The Evil Dead. So, Raimi took that advice, he asked a variety of people for donations, and eventually begged for money so that he could make the Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell also asked several of his own family members for money so that he could add some money into the pot to fund it, and the two of them eventually raised enough money to produce the full-length film, though it wasn't the full amount that they originally wanted and the film cost about $375,000. So they had enough to produce it, they set out, and the title of it at the time was Book of the Dead. It was inspired by Raimi's love of fiction, specifically H.P. Lovecraft, and the film was supposed to be actually a remake of the short film Within the Woods with higher production values. Raimi also asked for help from several of his friends and past collaborators to help make The Evil Dead. It really took a community to get this movie made because it had to be on a low budget. There wasn't a lot of money, we know. Raimi was begging and asking for donations so that he could make this movie, so it had to stay within budget or it wasn't going to get made. Bruce Campbell even offered to produce the film, and that's what also helped cast him as Ash Williams, the main character, since his producing responsibilities made him the only actor willing to stay during the whole entirety of the production. Production, right so they needed actors for the movie they couldn't just have a movie with Bruce Campbell even though I would watch a movie that just had Bruce Campbell I'd watch a one-man show with Bruce Campbell just gonna put that out there but no they had to get a whole bunch of other actors to come on board so that the movie was actually successful so to acquire more actors Raimi put out an ad in the Detroit News and Betsy Baker was one of the actresses who responded and then Ellen Sandweiss who appeared in Within the Woods was also cast So the crew consisted almost entirely of Raimi and Campbell's friends and family. (laughs) The special makeup effects artist for Within the Woods, Tom Sullivan, was also brought on to compose the effects because he had such a positive reaction of working with Raimi that he wanted to do it again. So he helped create many of the film's foam latex and fake blood effects that we see in the movie. He even added coffee as an extra ingredient to the fake blood formula instead of corn syrup and food coloring only. So that really is what made that iconic blood is coffee. So just add coffee. Cosplayers, hey. (laughs) you want to make your blood look like the evil dead do what you're doing and just add coffee (laughs) that's awesome and because of how low of a budget the movie was they didn't really have any formal or professional location scouts for the movie so the cast had to find their own filming locations basically they initially tried to shoot the film in ramey's hometown of royal oak michigan but then instead chose to move it to morristown tennessee since it was the only state that expressed any enthusiasm for the project smart move so the crew went, they found a remote cabin several miles away from any other buildings. And during the pre-production, 13 other crew members had to stay at the cabin, which led several people to sleeping in the same room, making living conditions notoriously difficult. So we can start to understand why some of the cast and crew started to leave before production finished. Several arguments also broke out between the crew members, because when you're, when you're kept in such close quarters, you're in a stressful production as it is, tempers are bound to flare. That makes complete sense to me. So after the extensive filming process of The Evil Dead, Sam Raimi had a mountain of footage that he had to put together. So he chose a Detroit editing association where he had met Edna Paul, who cut the film. Paul's assistant was Joel Cohn of the Coen Brothers. Ah, uh, ah, uh, the Coen Brothers, yeah. He actually helped with the film's editing. Paul edited a majority of the film, although Cohen edited the shed sequence. Cohen, who had been inspired by Ramy's Within the Woods, liked the idea of producing a prototype film to help build interest of investors. So Joel used the concept to help make Blood Simple with his brother Ethan, and he and Ramy became friends following the editing process. So the first cut of Evil Dead ran around 117 minutes. So you know they cut a lot based on what the length of the movie is today. The cutscenes were really focused on Ash not being able to save his victims from their deaths. So they edited it down to make the film less grim and depressing and be more marketable so it was more horror and less about ash suffering the death of his friends and one of the most intricate moments during editing was the stop-motion animation sequence where the corpses melted it took them hours to cut that properly and that was a great scene actually The soundtrack was really good in the film too it had really unique sounds that required extensive recording from the crew so you know they put a lot of effort into the ambiance that's really what helps make the movie the iconic horror franchise it is is the fact that the atmosphere itself is totally creepy and makes you feel so isolated and alone that it's borderline terrifying every time you watch it so once they had the film completely edited everything was done ready to go they decided to celebrate the film with a big premiere so they chose to screen the film at Detroit's Redford Theatre, which Bruce Campbell was often visiting as a child. Sam Raimi opted to have the most theatrical premiere possible. He wanted it to be a lavish extravaganza. So he used custom tickets and wind tracks set in the theater, which created an ambiance for those in attendance. And he also ordered ambulances outside of the theater to help build on the atmosphere. So he really went all out on this premiere to promote Evil Dead. The setup was actually inspired by horror director William Castle, who would often attempt to scare his audiences by using gimmicks. The local turnout for the premiere totally exceeded everyone's expectations. There was thousands of people that showed up to watch The Evil Dead. And the response was enthusiastic. People actually enjoyed watching the movie. So that led Ramey to the idea of, well, let's tour the film and build more hype up around it. Because at the time, it was just an indie film. It wasn't getting theatrical releases everywhere. It was only released at this one theater. So Ramey went out and started touring the film to try and build hype around it. And he would show it to anyone who was willing to watch it. He booked meetings with distribution agents anyone who had experience in the film industry. Eventually, he came across Irvin Shapiro, who was responsible for distributing Night of the Living Dead. And of course, that's somebody that you want to get your film in front of. So Shapiro watched the film, and at first he joked that it wasn't Gone with the Wind, but it had commercial potential, and he expressed his interest in distributing it. So it was his idea not even to use the title of Book of the Dead. So they premiered it as Book of the Dead. That was the title, of the movie. It wasn't Evil Dead at this time and he really thought that it made the film sound boring because people didn't want to go and see a movie about a book. So Raimi went back and brainstormed several ideas about what the movie could be called and eventually they fell with The Evil Dead and deemed it the least worst title. Shapiro was a founder of the Cannes Film Festival so that actually allowed Sam Raimi to screen the film at the 1982 festival out of competition. Stephen King The horror author and writer that we all absolutely adore and love and has given us so many stories that have been turned into terrifying movies was actually present at this screening and he gave the film a rave review. He absolutely loved The Evil Dead and to this day says it's one of his favorite films. The film actually severely affected Stephen King. He commented that while watching the film at Cannes Film Festival, he was registering things he had never seen in a movie before, which is a broad statement coming from a guy like Stephen. King and he actually became one of the film's largest supporters during the early efforts when they were trying to find a distributor. He even described it as the most ferociously original film of the year and this of course attracted the interest of critics who otherwise would have likely dismissed this because of the low budget the movie had attached to it. Stephen King comes in and he's like no this movie's great We need to push it and everyone's like okay. <laughs> Stephen King's word is gold when it comes to horror and that's even to this day even then when he was giving us Carrie's Cujo, It, Christine, Salem's Lot. like Stephen King says something and people will just go for it. And it worked. It worked for the Evil Dead, and I'm glad it did. Now we're going to dive into the Evil Dead movie, what it's about, how awesome it is, all that kind of fun stuff. But before we do, we're gonna head on over to my Instagram, dun, dun dun dun, because I have comments from my followers on the Evil Dead franchise that I would absolutely love to share with you all. So the first comment comes from my homie and someone who is family at the Cabin of Horrors, Skellington fan, calls it the Sam and Bruce show, which it is. Like I was saying earlier, right? Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, they were best friends. They wanted to make this movie together. Bruce Campbell even helped fund the film. This was something they wanted to do together. And you could tell that it was a showcase of Raimi and Campbell's talents in all three movies, and even in the Ash vs. Evil Dead TV series. You could see that it was a showcase of their best talents and putting on display how amazing the two of them could do together as an actor-director duo. Next comment comes from Sky underscore Moon, who says, Ash Williams is a badass. Yeah, he is in Ash vs. Evil Dead. The guy's going in like his 50s and 60s, hacking and slacking demons with a chainsaw. Dude is badass as fuck. Next comment comes from G underscore D underscore P underscore junior who says underappreciated. I actually agree. I don't think the Evil Dead franchise gets as much appreciation and love as it should. And I think that's really because of how low budget the installments were at the beginning. Like the first two were low budget. Army of Darkness had a bit more of a budget. But the first two were low budget films. And even now, I don't believe they've actually been remastered or put into HD, which I hope they don't. I love the grainy, low budget look of the first two Evil Deads. I will always watch... The first two Evil Deads in that grainy, low-budget kind of film filter, because even if they remaster it, it just won't capture that essence and that campiness of Evil Dead. So, but that also could be a hindrance, right, as to why people don't necessarily enter into this, into this franchise. Next comment comes from Fry underscore, yay, the 13th, disturbing, violent, funny, groovy Ash. I love it. Groovy. Next one comes from DinSum who says Bruce Campbell is my idol. I actually met Bruce Campbell once at Calgary Comic Con. He came one year and I got to see his panel and he was absolutely charming, hilarious, engaging, loved his fans. He he had the asshole kind of, you know, dickish gimmick on but like just at the same time it was his charm. Like I just oh, I love Bruce Campbell. He is everything to me. I love that man. Next one comes from Issa underscore Cupcake Mina, who says, cultural phenomenon that never disappoints. Facts, even when they did the Evil Dead reboot, it didn't disappoint. Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV series. It's corny, it's campy, it's borderline slapstick. But man, is that a great show. That is probably one of my favorite horror TV shows, period, end of sentence, because it's funny all the way through. It ends in a very stupid Evil Dead kind of way. It was just groovy and goofy at the same time. Next comment comes from BLKRose13, who says, This is my boomstick. <laughs> Next comment comes from Horror underscore Collector8586, another one of my absolute favorite people on Instagram, who says, Badass with the devil horns. Badass as fuck, right? Ash Williams is one of the most badass people in the horror genre. absolutely. fucking All right, so let's head in to Evil Dead, the first movie. We're going to talk about the plot of the movie. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, either fast forward or come back after you've seen the movie. I don't care what happens to her. She's your girlfriend, you take care of her. So the movie starts off with five Michigan State University students, Ash Williams, his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Cheryl, their friend, Scott, and Scott's girlfriend, Shelly. They're all going on a vacation at an isolated cabin in rural Tennessee. As they're heading to the cabin, they're driving in their car through the woods. You can see this camera kind of going through the woods very, very quickly with a very gaspy kind of sound in the back. So you know that something ominous is lurking in the woods and is going to somehow affect these teenagers as they're going to vacation in the cabin. So as they're heading to the cabin, the group notices that the porch swing is moving on its own. And then it suddenly stops as Scott goes to grab the doorknob. So they all head into the cabin. They start unloading their... Taking some time to relax and decompress before they head into their festivities for the night. Cheryl draws a picture of a clock and the clock weirdly stops. She starts to hear a faint demonic voice tell her, join us. And then her hand becomes possessed. She starts to turn pale, draws a picture of a book with a demonic face on the cover, and just starts going fucking ape shit. right? Losing her mind. She's shaking. She doesn't mention the incident to anybody in the house. So it's dinner time now at the cabin. The cellar trap door flies open. Shelly, Linda, and Cheryl stay upstairs and Ash and Scott go down to see what the fuck was going on in the cellar. That's when they find the Naturum Domento, a Sumerian version of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Along with the book, they find archaeologist Raymond Noby's tape recorder and they take the items upstairs. It's at this point they think it's a great fucking idea to play this tape. So Scott plays the, t- uh, the tape incantations start coming out and this resurrects a demonic entity in the cabin Cheryl yells for Scott to turn off the tape recorder and that's when a tree branch breaks one of the cabin's windows so you know shit's about to go down so as the evening progresses Cheryl gets agitated and goes into the woods to investigate strange noises that she's hearing this is when she's attacked and actually raped by demonically possessed trees yes that happened (laughs) so she manages to escape returns to the cabin bruised completely anguished and traumatized by the experience ash agrees to take her back into town only to discover that the bridge that they took to get in here to the cabin has been completely destroyed so this sets cheryl into a complete panic she realizes now that they're trapped and the demonic entity's not going to let them leave back at the cabin ash starts to listen to more of this tape that they were listening to because hey it caused problems enough maybe if we listen to it enough it'll solve the problems yeah that's that's great fucking logic But he does learn that the only way to kill the entity is to dismember a possessed host. So he knows now that if one of them is possessed, the only way to get rid of it is through dismemberment. So Shelly and Linda play a game called Spades... Cheryl correctly calls out the cards and succumbs to the entity. She begins to levitate and in a raspy demonic voice demands to know why they disturbed the demon's sleep and then threatens to kill absolutely everyone in the cabin. In one of the most terrifying scenes of the movie, my favorite, I love this scene. It's deaf and it's also Easter egged in the Evil Dead reboot. They kind of did an Easter egg to that scene. It's one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. Check it out. So she stabs Linda in the ankle with a pencil and throws Ash into a shelf. Scott then knocks Cheryl Cheryl into the cellar, locks her inside. So now they have the demon entity kind of captured and isolated and trapped in the cellar. So everyone starts fighting amongst themselves about what the fuck to do. They're completely paranoid about Cheryl being possessed by a demon. They're all saying that you should just kill Cheryl and be fucking done with it. Shelly goes to lie down in her room, but she's drawn to look out her window. This is where she sees a demon crashing through the window and starts attacking her, which turns her into a deadite. She goes after Scott but he manages to throw her into the fireplace and stabs her in the back with a Sumerian dagger, which kills her, right? That's important in the Evil Dead lore. He he stabbed her with a Sumerian dagger and it killed her. So she reanimates, though. Scott dismembers her with an axe and then buries the remains. Shaken by the experience, he leaves to find a way back to town. Shortly, he becomes mortally wounded from the possessed trees and dies while he warns us that the trees are possessed and will not let them escape alive. Ash goes to check back on his girlfriend, Linda. He becomes horrified when he finds out that she's become possessed. Linda starts attacking Ash. He stabs her with the Sumerian dagger and is 100% unwilling to dismember her. So instead, he buries her. People, (laughs) this is like Saw. You're not listening to the rules. If you followed the rules, you wouldn't have shit happen to you afterwards and things would be hunky-dory. So because he's unwilling to dismember her and he buries her instead, she revives and then goes after him and attacks him. This, of course, forces him to decapitate her with a shovel, and then he retreats back to the cabin. So once he gets back to the cabin, he finds out that Cheryl has actually escaped from the cellar. So she manages to elude Ash for a while, which culminates in her attempting to choke Ash out. Ash escapes her grasp and then shoots Cheryl in the jaw. Ash barricades the door, Scott reanimates into a deadite, and then goes after Ash. Inadvertently, he knocks the Naturum Demento close to the fireplace. Ash gouges Scott's eyes out, pulls a tree branch from Scott's stomach, which causes him to bleed out and fall to the ground. Cheryl comes back and makes her demonic appearance again. She breaks through the barricade and knocks Ash to the floor. As Scott and Cheryl keep keep attacking Ash... Ash manages to grab the Naturum Demento and throws it into the fireplace. While the book starts burning, the Deadites freeze into place and begin to rapidly decompose. Large appendages burst from both corpses, cover Ash in blood. Dawn breaks, Ash stumbles outside into the sunset and heads off and we hope that he is going to live a non-traumatic life going forward. However, we see a demon rapidly moving through the forest, rushing through the cabin and attack him from behind as the movie ends. So we know that Ash Williams is not going to see the end of the demonic forces that he had met in the cabin. While the plot itself isn't necessarily, you know, thick, it's not a plot story that people can really sink their teeth into. It's a story that people can watch and be horrified by and engage with and somewhat relate to. How many times have you gone out to a cabin or gone on vacation with your friends? Imagine having a demonic force possess your friends and then your friends turn on you and start killing you. And then you start getting that paranoia that you can't trust your own friends, right? It's a terrifying concept when you really dive deep into it, despite how simple the story is. And it remains one of the greatest horror movies of all time. It's definitely iconic. It catapulted both Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell's careers into absolute stardom. Even to this day, Sam Raimi just finished directing Doctor Strange 2, one of the newest movies to enter the MCU. That's huge. Also directed the first three Spider-Man movies. That's amazing. The guy has catapulted himself not only as an iconic horror director, but as a director in general. The guy can direct himself anything and he has proven that. So that concludes part one of the Evil Dead franchise series. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. On the next episode, we're going to be diving deep into Evil Dead 2. That's going to be the next episode in the series. And just like this episode, we're going to talk about the background of the story, how it was developed, the plot itself, all the amazing things that come with it. I really hope you check out the next episode of the Cabin of Horrors podcast. It'll be dropping again this week. We're going to be having two episodes for you and maybe even a special episode. My Instagram followers really want me to drop my Saw 2 movie review, so I'm thinking we may have three episodes this week on the Cabin Cabin of Horrors. You're going to have to follow, subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on to make sure you tune in and catch those episodes when they drop. If you're looking for more horror content, make sure you visit our Instagram, Cabin of Horrors podcast. You can also visit our website, cabinofhorrors.com, where we have tons more horror content for you to check out. I'm the incredible Josh. Thank you so much for tuning into our Evil Dead episode on the Cabin of Horrors podcast.